There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. Drive Live Talks Careers. So we have a guest with us in the studio today, primed and ready to talk to us about how to secure the best deal. It is, of course, Shane Phillips from the Phillips Group. Group. Welcome, Shane. This is the first time in the new studio for you, is it? Yeah, this is a beautiful studio, and it's also my first time on the show as a father. So, Congrat- <laughs> Really? Yeah, yeah. I you just, kept that I, quiet. Congratulations. Thank you. Huge thank congratulations, you. Shane. Thank you. That's great news. Yeah, July, July 9th. So. Oh, how so exciting. So a little girl, little boy. L- little boy. Wow. Do you know yeah. Toby that often comes on careers with you has just yes. had a little girl? Yes. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. He's a great guy as well. So we can have a careers uh, father's Family daycare. Family gathering, yeah. <laughs> careers father's daycare. I think we know that should be our next topic, fathers in the workplace. Yeah, driving your son to success. <laughs> or daughter. Oh or daughter. Yeah, and daughter, of course. Yes. Or other, depending on how they turn out. Okay, let's move on, Shane. Uh, we're going to talk about negotiation today, Shane. And um, yes, it's it's great to have you here. And you are one of those people that sort of says, drive a hard bargain, negotiate well. And um, that's the only way you should really approach any kind of deal. I, sh- I can imagine when you go to the supermarket and buy your food, you're trying to work out what the best price is. What's your best price? Um, I can imagine you're a bit like that, Shane. Is that Fair to say or unfair? Yeah, just squeeze the grocer. No, I saw that. Yeah, in the email, I was I was uh, claimed as being ruthless, um, but I don't necessarily subscribe to the same description of myself. I think that um, doing a good negotiation is not about being ruthless or or overly aggressive, but being well informed and understanding what your worth is and uh, what the market is going to pay for your for your skills. And I think a lot of candidates and people don't want to put the work in to figure out what they're worth. They just want to show up and think about some magic silver bullet they're going to throw on the deal table that's going to allow them to trade at a premium. And it simply doesn't work like that. Let's break down, if we can, um, where negotiation fits into the workplace. So you can negotiate, obviously, uh, a position, a job title. You can position, you can negotiate your salary, your pay rise. Uh, what other forms of negotiation do we find at work? Well, I think there's a the other thing is to negotiate your span of control, uh, taking on more responsibilities. Um, you know, we always say you have to be doing the job before you get the job. So sometimes, especially if you have a boss who's a little bit, uh, you know, abdicating his his role, that creates a power vacuum. You can negotiate, hey, why don't I take over the P&L? So as you grow your scope, you grow your equity, you grow your value. Um, th- that's another piece that you can negotiate. Um, little things also that you can negotiate that aren't part of your, you know, which can be like your vacation days, which can be training and development. Um, you know, we've put in for some packages that, hey, you're going to pay for my executive MBA, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. And I mean, you make it sound so easy, Shane. Let's be honest. You say, look, you have to understand what your worth is. But if you work in a maybe a very large organization where many times your line manager doesn't have that much contact with you. Um, How do you feel like you can let them know what you have, what your wares are in order to earn such a great deal? So I think there's two questions there. One is how do you find out what you're worth? And two is how do you negotiate a raise, right? Which one do you want me to tackle first? No, it's more the point of you're you're talking about knowing your worth, but how do you make your worth? So say like you're very clear as you are what your worth is. How do you illustrate that to your employer though? Right. So if you're having a, uh, so what happens a lot in the Middle East is people go and get an offer from a competitor and then they go and put it as a gun to the person's head and say, give me a raise or I'm leaving. This is the worst 
way and it's the least skilled. So if you're doing that, you, 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 you're demonstrating that you don't have negotiation skills. What you would do is say, hey, sit down with your, with your boss or your direct manager mm. and open the conversation with a list of all the wins and value th- that you've done. Hey, did you remember when I brought in this account and we did this together and remember that win and remember when I did the policies and procedures and and also make sure he's in the, or she or he is in a good mood when that happens. And once they understand your value, then bring visibility to what your earning potential or what your earning potential, what you want it to be. So you can say, look, you know, today I'm earning X. I want to earn X plus 300%. Yeah. What would you need from me to justify that kind of salary? Um, how can I get my earning potential into, you know, I want to be earning 200,000 dirhams a month, for example. What would I need to do in this organization, then he may say, look, nobody in this organization makes that and will ever make that. Then you know that you need to yeah. you need to course correct your career strategy. Or they might say, look, you know, to be to do that, this is what we would need from you. XYZ, this is what your career path looks like. And in 10 years you could be in that bracket if you do XYZ items. And so you build a, a value path that how that that uh, that ties into the vision and strategy of the organization and specifically the KPIs of your direct manager. So if your dialogue does not tie into helping your manager achieve their KPIs or key performance indicators or their quarterly, monthly, annual goals, then that conversation is not going to be very positive. So you want to make sure you're locked into your manager's goals and the organizational goals. And as long as your salary expectations are tied to helping the organization achieve its goals, the organization will help you achieve your your compensation goals, or the market will serve its justice. I love the way you say that. <laughs> <laughs> serve its justice. Uh, can we talk a little bit about um, gathering the tools you need uh, for negotiation or, or your starting point? Because that's something I find um, particularly difficult and frustrating in, in this environment here in the Middle East. I've noticed it's done slightly differently to Europe. And I struggle with it day to day. My job when I'm uh, I'm a freelance journalist and I negotiate contracts with potential clients that I'm going to work with. And people always say to you, how how much do you want to be paid for this? And they come to you and they, they want you to state the number. Of course, I then go back and say, well, tell me what your budget is. Tell me what you can pay for this. And you end up in this really awkward standoff where you're basically saying, show me your hand. No, you show me your hand. You show me your hand. Ad infinitum until one of you caves. And it's normally me. And then I, you know, underquote. So why are you admitting this on the radio? Good point. He's an honest person. Good so, point. Uh, my know? honesty is my worst virtue, I tell you. I lose out on so much. But but Shane, what should I do instead to make sure that, you know, I get the best price and I find out what someone's who what someone's budget is before i'm quoting for a piece right. of work yeah so one of the one of the strategies is to take first mover advantage and so what initially you're doing in your strategy is you're conceding first mover advantage to me right and and so if i'm negotiating with you i'm going to try to get you at the lowest possible cost i can i'm going to try to discount your position right so what you want to do is open the negotiation um with by taking advantage of that and what you're saying is that i don't really know what their budget is Mm -hmm. so what you want to do is go on linkedin and then click people who used to work at the company call them up and say hey i'm really thinking of joining or working at dubai i can you tell me what it's like i heard they have this new snazzy studio but is it really that great? And, you know, ask them and then say, hey, you know, what would a freelance journalist at Dubai Eye earn? Like, what's the ballpark? And they'll say, oh, yeah, well, this is it and that, da 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 And then they'll just tell you, right? But a lot of people are going around, they're not asking, right? Then meet with the competitors because I think there's, 
couple other, well, maybe one or two other radio stations around that you could talk to, ask them, hey, what do you guys think a, a, a radio presenter should earn? And some of them will be ex-Dubai I people, and they'll be like, yeah, I used to I used to work there. I can tell you exactly what it is. And, and so you gather that information, right? And then ask your friends and family, do you know anyone who works as a radio presenter? So you start to compile the information then you know what the band is and then place yourself at the top of the band or a little above it you can add five ten percent and that's not offensive maybe 15 now if you start adding 50 or 100 percent on top of what the market rate is it's just going to turn people off they're going to feel you're unprofessional and it can actually sour the deal but for example if you know a a a salary band is you know uh, 40 to 50000 dirhams and i say you know i would find the job very attractive at 55000 dirhams a month now i didn't say i'm taking the job i just said it was 55 so if you get upset and then you say well Shane, that's a little bit too high. i can't believe you'd say something like that and i said well what i said is true i just said i th- i thought it would be attractive you mm-hmm. can't you can't say it's not attractive at 55 and you say well of course it is because you're that's above rate we'll only pay X and then you start and you start the negotiation you got to remember this Um, it's like Grant Cardone if you've ever seen him one of the one of the great sales guys in the US he always says people overpay for things all the time why shouldn't they overpay for you or why shouldn't they overpay for your product or service so don't undercut yourself you've overpaid for things knowingly overpaid for things and you're fine with it so Make the make a point and say, look, people are going to overpay for my product or service or myself because you are selling yourself. I'll stop there because I'll just okay. keep going unless you want me to keep no, going. No, no, no. I just <laughs> I don't like cutting you off, Shane. I guess though, you, you know, you have a, f- a few rules, and we'll get to these in a first uh, in a few minutes' time. Uh, the, the, there's a few rules that you have about salary ranges, um, kinds of language that you should use when it comes to negotiating. So these are tips for people. If you're listening to this, thinking, well. You know, lots of people are finding it tough here, but I maybe do want to ask my boss. I think I've been working on a lot of great projects. If you need to have a negotiation conversation, if you're wondering about this, you can text in and ask Shane for his advice. He will definitely give you his advice. It's 4001 or via the free messaging app. If you need some tips or if you have some questions or if you disagree with Shane, if you think his attitude towards negotiating isn't quite the right approach for you as an employee or as an employer. This is Drive Live with Natalie Lindo-Taylor and Tim Elliott. You are listening to Drive Live. I'm Natalie Lindo-Taylor and we're talking all about careers. We have a guest in the studio today, his first time his return to the new studios and as a father. We're welcoming Shane Phillips back to Drive Live Talks Careers. Now, Shane, we've been talking all about negotiation. We're asking people to text in if they agree with this system, this this style of negotiating that you have, they can let us know. If they want to ask you a question, that's fine too. But what interested me is you've said don't ever state a salary range because Rosanna was asking you a couple of questions. What should I do if I'm in that negotiating position because lots of people are tempted if um if it's a job or a deal and someone says well how much are you going to charge and they and then you say yep well how much have you got and it goes back and forth so your advice is not to make the first move not to give away player advantage so what else should we not be doing no i my advice was actually to take mover advantage so i would say you know if i was taking a job she says look uh you know how much would you take the role for um then the first thing i would say 
you know, I would say, oh, that's great. Are we at that point in our in our meeting in our process where you'd like to make an make me an offer? So first, I want to double check because a lot of times the companies in the region, you walk in the door, you haven't even sat down yet, and they're like. How much? How much are you making? Let me see your bank statements. You know, and that's illegal in some countries, right?、Yeah. So, you know, you need. You, they don't have any right to know what you're earning now. So, you just need to stop that, block that off, and say, "Oh, that's great. Are we at the point in the conversation where you'd like to make me an offer?" And then it's back on them. And then they might say, "No, tell me what you're earning now." Then you would say, "Oh, I'd be very comfortable talking about financials once we're at the point where you, where we'd like to make an offer." Now, if we're at that point, what you're saying, where they say, "Let's make an offer," I would know the salary band of the company, ideally, and I would add ten or fifteen percent and say, "You know, I would find the job very attractive at." You know, twelve dollars or fifteen or whatever it is, X plus fifteen percent, and start the negotiation up high and work down. If you concede first mover advantage to the employer, they will come in at the lowest possible denominator, and you will have to work up from the bottom, and that and and that makes it more more difficult, especially depending on the personality on their side of the desk. Just for the sake of their ego, they might decide just to dig their heels in, and you get into a, a lot of things. The other worst. Uh, thing that you can ask is, you know, if someone says, you know, well, look, we're going to offer you thirty-five, and then you would say, well, why is why is it thirty-five? And you get them to explain their、yeah. point. That's the worst because now you're you, now they're they're as you know as they're talking to you, they're going to find more and more reasons why it should be thirty-five, and you want it to be sixty-five. So never ask them, well, why do you feel that? You tell them. You be you are the one who's creating reality. You're the one who's creating the value. So you should go and take first movement advantage. Go at the top. But Shane, you have to also be fair. Lots of people listening to this are thinking, "I feel quite lucky just to be having a job at the moment. I don't know that I can turn around when it comes to my annual review when we're looking at performance targets. That I can turn around and demand money. It's a tough market right now." That's true, and that's a fact.、Uh, a there's, you know, only five or ten percent of people are going to be、uh, top performers. So ninety percent of the people listening probably shouldn't be asking for a raise. They should probably get down on their knees. Thank God they have a job. But how do, how do you think most people identify themselves as as being a top performer? Because let's be honest, if we follow the Shane Phillips plan, we will be thinking that we are fantastic. We will be telling people that we are fantastic. So how do you inject some realism? Because like you say, not everyone is a top performer. But if people are thinking, well, I've read your book, I'm listening to your advice, and I'm doing these things, but not everybody's talent is as great as they might believe it is. Right. If they read my book, their salary will definitely be increasing. But what 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 is the exact question you're asking me? Is how do you tell if you are a top performer, or you're telling me if you're a below average performer, how do you get a raise? This is I what think I think you were asking me. What I'm、sure. asking you is, lots of people think they're top performers, but it's not actually the case. So how do you identify where you fit in that sliding scale? Yeah. Okay. So.、Um, If you're a top performer, just ask yourself: Have you read the top five selling books on your uh, 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 of your、um, profession on Amazon?、Uh, who are the top performers? Like, who are the best uh, radio pro, uh, or media people、uh, in the region?、Um, what makes them great? Have you spoken to them and asked them for their tips on how you get better? So these are a little bit. If you're not, if you don't know who the top performers are and you haven't read the book, that's probably a sign that you're not. A top performer.、Um, 
<laughs> so, you know, top performers are very intellectually curious and they're moving forward. So let's just put that aside anyway. What we want to talk about is if you're an average performer, how do you get a raise, right? So I think that the thing is, is that squeaky wheel gets the grease. And in fact, I'll even buy into your program even worse. And I'll say that if you're horrible, say you're actually below average mm -hmm. in so many ways, you could still be the best in the world at what you do. Even if you don't have natural capability or talent for that profession, you can be the best in the world at what you do. And I'll, I'll prove it. I'll prove it right now. Okay. So, for example, you might say to be a musician and to sing and everything else, you, 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 you have to have a natural musical talent. Well, if you go on YouTube today and you look at the number one most, most viewed musician, it's PSY Gangnam Style. So I would love to hear someone call in and say PSY Gangnam Style is a good singer or he's musically talented. But what did he have? He had a vision of being the number one K-pop star. So the fact is, if you're horrible, the vision that you have of saying, look, I want my salary to increase by 500% or 1,000%, the vision alone will drive you. You still don't look convinced. Let me tell you, say, I want to have the best-selling hamburger in the world. You're going to go to McDonald's. Let one person call in and say McDonald's is the best tasting hamburger uh, in Dubai. There's a million better, maybe not a million, but there's many better hamburgers than the Big Mac. It shouldn't even be called Big Mac. It should be called Tiny Mac because there's nothing big about it, right? Now, uh, there's no real capability there to say, wow, this is a fantastic hamburger. But, what, what, but they're the number one selling hamburger in the world. Why? Because they had a vision. They had the vision of being number one. It's the vision alone. What created Dubai? The vision. I, I, I disagree in terms of um, the commercial success of a fast food burger. I think it's how quickly it takes to make the product and how cheap it is. I don't think it's just as simple as the quality of the burger. But that's a whole other story. It's the vision, though. They're the number one selling burger chain, not because they're fastest, not because you can... It, it's the fact that they are the only ones who said, I'm going to... From the from the very beginning, they said, we're going to be the number one selling burger in time. These people now are coming to your salary negotiation with no vision. What created Dubai? A vision. What's the difference between Dubai and so many of the other cities in the world? We have this unwavering vision moving forward. Your vision alone will trump talent, privilege, education, every other element which you hold dear, which you think is so critical to your value in the market will be trumped by vision. Go on, Rosanna. We're, we're very, we're kind of very single track here as sometimes, you know, I, I have missed you, Shane. I haven't seen you in a few years. And you're still advising people to read the top five books. We're looking at other business success leaders. We're talking about high earning, how to get the most money for your job, how to be, you know, the number one most successful person in your industry. What about, let's, let's scale it right back and go small scale negotiation. There are negotiations happen every day in every corner of your life when you're at work. Maybe you want to swap seats. Maybe you don't like the... Uh, desk that you're sitting at you want your colleague's corner desk and you want to switch desks with them and you have to have a conversation about that negotiation is essentially just communication isn't it and within that I'd also like to ask you what to do if you're not one of these super driven super confident people what if you're a little bit shy you don't have the perhaps the communication skills that you know Shane Phillips has sat next to you but you just really want Shane Phillips desk how are you going to communicate with him that you want to swap seats with him? How are you going to get his desk? I, I, I don't know. I think it would be very difficult, you know, to get. <laughs> but a lot of the seating plans in these organizations are, are uh, sometimes very cemented in place and, and are indicative Attached of... Attached to of, roles. Yeah. So I don't think, you know, you can negotiate 
that so easily. Uh, in fact, when you go in, we'll see that as a source of power. You know, how close is your office to the CEOs? How big is your office? Where is it situated? Is very indicative to how much power and what your authority matrix within the organization is. Um, so that would be tough. But wh what I think you're saying is, look, what's some tactical things you can do if you're a, just, you know, a, an average person? Um, so first of all, to drive up uh, your market value without actually increasing your skill set or <laughs> anything to actually increase it would be supply and demand economics. So the fact that you can go out and get, go to, if you make a list of all the companies in your industry, go to the smallest companies first and work your way up and, and, and meet the people within those companies for whatever your job is and get multiple offers. So as soon as you start to get three, four, five offers for yourself, that immediately increases your 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 value. Internally, you don't need to move. Like if it's a GE or it's a big company, go and get three or four other departments and say, look, you know, I would love to work uh, on the sports desk or the news desk or these other areas and get that uh, value to be to move in. Uh, and and so when you start to get four or five uh, you know people within the organization who are vying for you to join their team, that will increase your value. And likewise, externally, when you get three or four other companies who are vying to have you join them, you then have a very if you're more introverted and you're not good with tough discussions, it's very easy to say, look, I'm not interested in these offers, but just so you know, they have you know, this company offered me this and that, and I'm not gonna go for it, but I think it's a bit of a litmus test for what my value value could be. If you wanna move within the organization or smaller things, I think the first, one of the things that you can do within an organization, if you wanna improve your negotiation skills is improve your network. And power exists within people. So in fact, what you wanna do when you wanna have be a successful in a negotiation is you wanna have as much power as you can. So volunteer, on the as if you know if if the company is doing the, the cancer walk or it's doing whatever charity involvement it has volunteer on there and become a board member because generally there'll be a couple senior people who are sponsoring those uh, generally a ceo or a board member will be involved with the charity work that will give you some very interesting access points within the organization uh to volunteer for uh you know organizing if there's an annual event or whatever other events you can get involved in with and try to build your network as far reaching as as you possibly can three build projects within the organization which you require interdepartmental uh, interaction, right? And get involved with heads of other departments. Once people know that you know the who's who of, in the organization, your dialogue of, hey, can we switch desks, definitely holds a bit more credence than, um, you know, if you don't know anyone. Okay, Shane, um, we're going to have a breather there for a second. Someone's texted in and they've said, um, it's a little bit like a snake oil salesman. Go to 10 companies, read five books, the same advice over and over again. No name on that text. We have a question in from Yatin and we're going to look at this question in a few minutes time. I'll give you a chance to respond though. I think people can find it difficult. In certain industries, your advice does seem appropriate. So going to um, industry peers, maybe whether that is reading a book, but making sure you're aware of the competition, what's going on in your profession, that makes sense. I understand that, but not everybody works in those kinds of roles. And we've had these conversations before, Shane, and I'm talking about people who are not 
top level, top earner bracket. I'm talking about people doing their best, trying to get by here in Dubai while supporting a family. And I think sometimes this advice can be quite difficult to translate. I mean, do you, you know, what do you think about what that person said, reading five books of the industry? Well, I, I, I find it interesting that people reject the basics of success. Success is actually so simple, but people don't want to uh, embrace the success principles. And so if you're rejecting reading, then I can't really help you, you know? So if it's like reading is not part of your success formula, and if you're not reading about your profession, I can't really help you. I'm, and, you you know, if you think that snake oil salesman, I mean, I, I imagine I would be, you know, what would you do to a real snake oil salesman? Uh, reading and talking to your competition is base is is business 101 right understanding you know reading the annual reports of your competitors for example and talking to your competitors and understanding what your competitors are doing and what their positioning is this is business 101 so if you're not doing it then you know nobody I, it's beyond help you're really beyond help if you're not reading they you're beyond help uh, the basics of of any negotiation is a know what the what the product or service is worth yeah and to create multiple offers multiple buyers you want to drive price down create single buyer right so when when you have when you when when you have uh, multiple sellers and one buyer the price goes down when you have one seller and multiple buyers price goes up it's as simple as that Okay, we have a question in from Yat, and it's all about negotiation skills. We'll get to that next. You've still time if you want to message Shane 4001 or via the free messaging app. You've got about 10 more minutes if you want to talk to him directly. Drive Live Talks Careers. We are talking careers. It's 10 to 5. I'm Natalie Lindo-Taylor. Rosanna Lockwood is in the studio with me, and we're joined by Shane Phillips. So, Shane, warm welcome back. We've, Thank you. You always get people's attention, shall we say, Shane? Well, I, I appreciate the people who disagree, and you know, as a Canadian, we we enjoy diversity of opinion. So I, I would welcome anyone else who who d- disagrees with with these uh, approaches, and I'm happy to discuss them. Okay, so Yatin Sexton, and it's about negotiation skills. It says uh, clients often grudge a small firm the fees they would readily pay a large or multinational one for the same service, even when they've been steady, happy customers. How do you negotiate that sort of difficult area? Right. So I think as a, as a local firm, there's a huge value that you bring to the table in terms of understanding the local landscape. They said small firm, not necessarily local. Uh, but how can you be small global firm? Doesn't no, but you might. Well, it could be based here in the be. UAE, but you could be a firm that's, I don't know, from any other country. It's not necessarily local. It's just so small. With, mul- with multiple offices or... Well, you might have to. I interpret it as a as a guy who's running a business of ten or fifteen people pitching against a multinational, right? Yes. Yeah. So that would be you know maybe you have one or two offices. Fine. So you still bring a huge value in terms of understanding the local the local landscape. The multinationals they'll be headquartered outside of the Middle East. They won't have that piece. So whatever it is, you need to define what separates you from the multinational from that large company. You know, for for us, you're getting uh, that that high touch customers experience. If you want to meet on the weekend, you want to talk on Friday at midnight. uh, You want to have uh, the, the actual consultant who's handling your account uh, talking to you because also also the multinational split, right? So the person who's your account manager and the person who's doing the actual work will be separate. You need to find out what that USP is. That that obviously they're coming to you for a reason. 
Two, you need to have a throughput of clients, right? So you can't negotiate. You know, if you're a restaurant and you have one person sitting in the in the in the piece, if you ro- if you raise your prices, you might have no one sitting in the restaurant, right? So when you have a standing line, then you can raise your prices, right? So I think you also have to look at that: is w- 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 how many customers do you have? Mm. And then three, you really need to look at your branding. Um, as a, as a smaller company, you generally don't have the marketing budget and the, and the chief marketing officer to give you that smooth, polished look. And that smooth, polished look is what also helps create that perception of value, right? So uh, what are your processes, policies around customer experience? What does your branding look like? What's your positioning? Uh, who are you co-branding with? Yeah. So I could be a small company, I'm doing training, but I can co-brand with Oxford University to deliver a leadership, special leadership package. Automatically, I'm going to go over that, that hurdle. You're now going to pay a premium for me. So you can also co-brand to get across from it. Um, uh, and and finally, though, it's really about the number. It's, it goes back again to supply and demand. So w- when you're get, getting over swamped with customers, that's when you can start to drive your 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 price up it's it is a big challenge because it's very difficult to go from you know uh five com- person company to 20 to 100 but once you break you know 100 150 then you have a marketing team and you have an hr team you can clean these things up so you're probably you know more so the hurdle of getting them to increase their price it's probably mm-hmm. you're looking at that hurdle of getting to the point where you have a proper branding team essentially we're getting uh, quite a few messages in aren't we natalie from uh, listeners here somebody supporting you here shane he says i love your point of view fellow canuck is that a word for canadian <laughs> everyone needs a vision and to write it down it happened to me you're 100 right it's about seeing your success and following it up with educating yourself and attracting it um, some people just don't get it but then somebody else has said the vision alone is not enough i believe the only way to approach your boss for an increase is to make sure your job speaks for itself. Make sure you're irreplaceable in your area, which is more or less what you've been saying. Yeah, and I and I make that actual argument that vision alone will drive you to. I mean, vision plus the hard work and focus underneath it. I mean, we had one lady. Her name's Siban. She was blind and deaf, right? But she had a vision of going to Harvard Law. The mm-hmm. vision alone, she's, she graduated from Harvard Law. So it's the vision alone that is going to drive you forward. Coming to the table and the vision and self-belief are on you. But what underperformers want to do, they don't want to take responsibility. So they're relinquishing those and they're get, trying to get the organization and their boss and everyone else to give them direction and vision and development and everything else. Vision starts with you. Those, those individuals who have it are going to command the most, the most value. But it, it, sorry, go ahead. We've had another message in. There's no name on this one. It says, "What you are talking about is right, Shane." Um, but it looks like you're targeting, um, and the organisation sort of skill set you're talking about is people in top management level. This person wants to hear your views for the rest of the workforce. They're saying they're in middle management, um, so they want to know your advice, not for people at the very top echelons of you know major companies where you're going to be the next CEO or the next COO of something. This guy's in middle management and wants to know what your advice is for people on that sure. level. Sure, thank you. And I, 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 I mean, maybe you guys can help me understand too why I keep getting this feedback that this is only for CEOs or top management. The, the, the feedback was read a book. 
So how is that only for senior management? This is for everybody. Educate yourself on your profession. Love what you do and be so focused on developing the capabilities to be great at what you do. So how do you develop your capabilities? You cannot rely on your organization to develop you. Most of the organizations in the Middle East don't have very strong development programs. So uh, how do you do that? One, reading about your profession, that's part one. Two, seek and see, uh, seek uh, mentors. Go and find people who are great at your profession and ask them to teach you what you do. That could be internationally. Do you know how excited? And so this is an entry level, but calling uh, another mid-manager in the US or UK, you know how excited they're gonna be to talk to someone in Dubai? And if you can't, find people in your community who can, who are better than you, who can help you develop. Three, when you go, bring visibility. Say, listen, I would like to increase my salary. Okay, we have Solly, a fellow Canadian, on the line for you, Shane. Solly, supporting your view, saying people need a vision and it happened for you. Solly, great to have you on the program. Thank you, guys. So you agree with Shane? I do. I really do. Because... um, Are you related to Shane? No, he's just obviously no. highly intelligent. That's <laughs> obviously clear. No, look, I, I, what, what he's talking about, I mean, I think he's obviously another level to I am, but I really believe in what he's saying because I've done that. I've followed with what he's saying. Like, you have to believe in something, you know? It's, and as you said, yeah, of course, you can have a vision and lay down. Obviously, nothing's going to happen. But usually when you do have a vision and when you have that drive in you, it pushes right. you. It, subconsciously, you're moving towards that vision or, or, or the idea that you put in your mind. And it's happened to me multiple times. I've, I've joined right. a whole different industry in the last seven months, and now I feel comfortable and I feel like I'm moving towards it. At the beginning of it, I was very scared. And there's people in my position who were doing what I was doing for two years, and they were just relaxed, you know, because they didn't really care. They didn't have an idea. And, and now I feel I can comfortably say I'm much more successful than they are. And I never think about um, being lazy and just expecting a, uh, my salary to go high. I don't even think much about it. I just think about, like, as he said, what your drive to do, what you're attracting, and everything else will just follow through. But if you're going to work just for the sake of, uh, what, I mean, um, just for the sake of salary and stuff, you, you don't have a vision. You're just basically there to just make money and be lazy and then try to hopefully find a way that will give you some points to attract, I mean, to get that extra money that you're looking for. Thank you, Sally. Really appreciate you calling the program. Thank you. No problem. So, Shane, I mean, I don't know if it's a Canadian thing, maybe. It's just the way <laughs> you're wired for the success, in- Shane. Yeah, well, you know, and I, and I just want to go back to this point that you don't need to be senior to have a vision, right? So, you know, in, 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 in high school, you can have a vision of whatever you wanted to do. And in fact, if you go back to when you were a child, your whole day considered a vision, right? You know, you are envisioning different things and imagination. And, you know, you had this boundless spirit like, oh, I'm going to be the president. I'm going to be the astronaut. I'm going to be whatever you wanted to be. And all of a sudden you lose that. And you, and you have to realize every single thing that you see yeah. in front of you, this laptop, this microphone, they all started with visions. Yes. None of this stuff around you existed. It was all imagination. There's not a single thing that you have in your world today yeah. that did not start with a vision. Okay. Shane Phillips is from the Phillips Group. Shane, as always, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for joining us on the program. Thank you. Thank you. There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com.